go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, August the 2nd, in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and I am live on the air, which might be a surprise to some of you because we were not here Thursday and Friday. I ended up having to go to uh, the emergency room and was in the hospital for a few days. And of course, everybody was wondering, did I have the virus? Well, unfortunately, they took the test and that's that shot up the nose. And boy, does that ever hurt. But I, I didn't have the virus or anything. It is really something that I have been dealing with and they've really helped me out a lot. So I'm back in the uh, chair right now. But it also means, can you imagine me being in the hospital for any length of time without people finding out I'm a pastor and having discussions with them? And so we welcome a number who said they would be listening at 9.30 on Monday to hear Law and Gospel. So what do we do on Law and Gospel? Well, we believe Law and Gospel really refer to two different types of doctrine in the Bible. The law, that is the will of God. It's found in the commandments. It's found in the ceremonial laws. It's found in the civil laws. It's found everywhere in the Bible. This is what God desires you to do. But the Bible also says that all of us fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, none of us can be saved by obeying the law. Well, then, how is anybody going to heaven? And that's where what we call the gospel comes in. And Jesus talks about that that was his mission in the gospel according to Mark to come and bring what message? The forgiveness of sins. Now, what does forgiveness mean? That because you have shaped up your life, God says, okay, you're now, you're now adequately prepared for heaven? No. Forgiveness means that you still continue to sin, although you pray that you would not do so as much, but that God no longer holds you accountable for that sin. Now, that's a huge message, and that's what we try and bring out. Been on uh, KFUO 12 years now talking about law and gospel. So what we do on Mondays, we try and take a look at one of the lessons that is going to be read in many churches on the following Sunday, which is the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, August the 8th, 2021. And there's usually a, a Psalm, an Old Testament reading, an epistle, and a gospel. Today, we're gonna to take a look at the gospel. Now, one of the points I like making is that when you read the Bible without a pastor, a lot of times it seems to contradict itself. For example, if you are an unbeliever, 
are you going to experience death? The answer is yes. If you are a believer, are you going to experience death? Well, of course. Funerals are not only done for unbelievers, but also for believers. So we're taking a look at the Holy Gospel from John chapter 6. And we're beginning with verse 35. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Wow. Really? Now, I thought there's no doubt that even Christians hunger and thirst. So what is Jesus talking about? This is where distinctions are really important. Theology, which is trying to figure out what God is saying, I often say theology is the art of making distinctions. Now, when Jesus is talking, he talks in two ways. He talks, first of all, about the life of the Christians in the civil realm. And then he is also talking about the life of Christians in what is referred to as the spiritual ground. These two are two separate kingdoms, so to speak. The one is still run by Jesus, and it's run by, well, governors and presidents and senators and representatives, etc. The other one is the Holy Christian Church. And what you need to always remember, when Jesus is talking, figure out, is he talking about Christians under the temporal rule or Christians under the spiritual rule? So when you hear this and it says, I'm the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Therefore, the words come to me and believing in me, Jesus is talking here about the spiritual realm. As Christians, we will never hunger or thirst. Well, what does that mean? It means that God will always give us that which fills us. In other words, nothing will happen to us, even here on earth as Christians, that God is not in charge of. And we're looking forward to that spiritual realm in heaven where we will never hunger or thirst. So you got to keep the two kingdoms in, in expression to understand that. Then Jesus says in verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. 
So this is an important thing to understand. When we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, we do not mean that I believe that he existed, that he was a man of Nazareth, that he was even crucified, or that he was buried, or that he rose from the dead. No, that isn't saving belief, because even the devils and the unbelieving Pharisees believe that. They were there. What is saving faith is to believe the promises of the gospel that are connected to that. So on the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Therefore, all those who believe in Jesus will have the spiritual benefits of never being hungry or thirsty. So just seeing Jesus isn't enough. It's believing his word, the promises of his word. So going on, we're now in verse 37 of John 6. All that the Father gives me will I come, will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on me and the Son and believes in me should have everlasting life and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the essence of the preaching of the gospel. This is a message a lot of people still don't understand, that you're not saved by your works, but you're saved by hearing the wonderful message of the gospel. And Jesus says, I should not lose nothing of all that he has given me. Well, some people will say, wait a minute, didn't he lose Satan? Well, Satan, of course, wasn't his to win or lose. He was an evil angel. Well, then how about uh, Judas? Can't you say he lost him? Well, he would only have lost Judas if he ever had had Judas. And it's clear that Judas's heart was corrupt. He wanted to make money off the betrayal of Jesus Christ. And he committed suicide for doing what he had done. So he didn't really lose Judas because he never had him. 
So, going on with verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about this because he says, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Now, the Jews are saying this for two reasons. They believe that the one, therefore, who is the bread that comes down from heaven is the Messiah himself. They're always looking for the Messiah. Now, that word Messiah means anointed one, and the Greek word for Messiah is Christ. So Jesus is the Christ, and he's promised in the Old Testament many times that he will be coming to save people. It begins with the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, where God makes a promise in Genesis 3.15, and then the promises to Abraham are also very important and many other promises. In fact, the promises even indicate the style of death that Jesus will experience. Psalm 22, he will be pierced in hands and feet. That's crucifixion. Isaiah 53, he will be whipped. They will attempt to pull out the hair's of his face. These are torturous items that occur at the crucifixion. So there's no doubt about it that when Jesus promised that he would die at Jerusalem, you had all these Old Testament passages to back it up. So going on then, he says, after they're asking, don't we know his father and mother? Now, interestingly enough, this is at a time when Jesus is in his ministry. And so when they say, do we not know Joseph? It gives me the impression that Joseph must have still been alive at that point and that he died during the time of Jesus' ministry. Now, isn't that interesting, if that's true? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He raises another individual, a woman's son from the dead, and yet he doesn't raise his father from the dead because that wasn't part of the mission at that time. His father will be raised from the dead, and that will be on the day of judgment. So, when they're complaining that he's saying, I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come down unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. That's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. 
Everyone who has heard and learned from me, the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God has seen the Father. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you remember, even on Mount Sinai, when God appeared before Moses, Moses only saw the backside of God. It says in the Bible, nobody can see the face of God and live. And Jesus is making the point that the only one who can see God and live is God himself. So now we want to get to the gospel again. The gospel is a promise that salvation is not by works, but by trusting in the promises from Jesus. Here's what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your father ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and will not die. Now, Jesus did quite a bit on the cross. He paid for our sins. He was your substitute in taking upon himself the punishment you should have received. But how does that all transfer over to you? God has set up what we call two sacraments. These are holy ways in which God does holy things. The first is the sacrament of baptism. The second is the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. In baptism, what happens is the pastor takes even an infant or an adult, pours water on them, and says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, what, what's going on here? You see, to be a believer in Jesus Christ means that you are a son of God. And that includes even women. Why, why do we say they're sons of God? Because it was the male that always received the inheritance. And the women, there's no distinction between male and female in receiving the gift of the forgiveness of sins. So, how do you become a son of God? The Bible makes very clear there's only one son of God. The only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. That means he is of the same substance, the same essence of God the Father. In fact, he himself says, when you see me, 
you are seeing the Father. I and the Father are one. Yet they are three distinct persons because you can find all three of them at the same place in, well, Jesus' baptism. Jesus is in the water. God the Father is speaking from the heavens. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and alights into Jesus. Your baptism is similar. According to Peter in the Pentecost sermon, that's Acts chapter 2, when a person is baptized, they receive two gifts. The one is the gift of the forgiveness of sins, and the second is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That first occurred at Pentecost. It now occurs in every sacrament of holy baptism. So that brings you into the Holy Church of God. You are adopted, not begotten, because you are an adopted child of God, not a begotten child. But therefore, you are a child of God. Even more importantly is the second sacrament, which we call the Holy Eucharist, from the Greek word for thanksgiving, or the Lord's Supper, where Jesus, take eat, this is my body, take drink, this is my blood. Now, that's really important in light of John 6, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. When Moses and the people of Israel in the wilderness realized that, it was because they were complaining, we don't have any bread. So the next morning, uh, this shows how merciful God is. Instead of punishing the people, they would wake up to very fine flakes of something on the ground after the dew had disappeared, and they made bread out of it. And they all said in the Hebrew, what is it? Which is a word for manna. That's how we get the word manna. That manna continued to fall from the sky until Israel entered the promised land. And that promised land was Canaan. Why didn't they need manna anymore? They didn't need manna because there was plenty of food in Cana that they could find in contrast to what had been in the wilderness. God takes care of his people. And in a sense, Cana is looking ahead to the paradise we will be going to, where just like in Cana, the promise began to be fulfilled 
that you will never hunger nor thirst, so also in heaven we will never hunger nor thirst. So Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And that's what he did on the cross. He gave his flesh. Now, I began this by saying you really need to have a pastor to understand. Now, how can you never be thirsty and hungry in this world? No, it's talking about the next. But there's other passages where God says he saves us from Satan, from world and death. Well, we can see being saved from Satan here on earth and from the curses of the world. But death? How are we saved from death? Well, the death is not talking about the temporal death, the physical death. It's talking about the spiritual death of eternity in hell. You will not experience that through faith in Jesus Christ. So, especially those folks from the hospital who are listening, welcome to KFUO. Continue to listen. There's other great programs on. And tomorrow, for Tuesdays, we are going to be taking a look at the hymn assigned for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, Lord enthroned in heavenly splendor. God bless you. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.